Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now... Here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another evening edition of the Cultum Collective Podcast. Or should I say the Cult Spy Collective Podcast? Uh, stolen stuff from the internet podcast. <laughs> Dave, what have we thieved now? Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, Ian, it doesn't seem two minutes ago since I was chatting to you. Yeah, I, Ian, I can't believe it. Yeah. Yes, you, next, is... next you'll be asking me if the bar is open. <laughs> well, indeed it is, I hope. Otherwise, I'm uh, out of here and down the road. Yes, huh? I hope that this episode is going to be called Spinning the Doctor Who Wine Bottle. Yes, there you go. Spinning the Doctor Who wine bottle. Speaking of spinning, spin-offs is what we're going to be talking about. But we're skipping something vitally important. It's 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 our wingman. See, see, I told you I'd come up with something new. You're our wingman uh-huh. now. Introducing Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, Mike. Uh-huh. Hello. When you said spinning there, I'm sitting in an office chair, and I thought, oh, do you, does it mean for me to spin around in this chair? <laughs> That's yes. always fun. You didn't? I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> the chair kind of squeaks, so, you know. Yeah. Well, well, actually, you can be our Val Kilmer. You can be our Iceman. Wingman, yeah, you can be the Iceman. Top gun. Aha. Yes. Highway yeah. to the danger zone. Yes. Aha. <laughs> there was an idea for a show. No. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, on with tonight's show before we run out of wine, I mean time, uh, we will be talking about the cult spy list as it is, or at least article, Dream Doctor Who spin-offs. If you're interested in looking at this list, even though that we're going to read it out because we just have a complete absence of original ideas here, you can reach it at www.digitalspy.com co.uk slash cult and look for the article Dream Doctor Who spin-offs. It was actually posted today by Mr. Mr. Ben Ross and Jones. Thank you, Ben, for supplying us with material. We are much appreciative. We like it lots. (laughs) Much appreciative. Yes, yes. Much appreciative. Yeah, yeah. What he said. (laughs) Anyway, before the wine really, really kicks in, Dave, why don't you give us an intro? Well, I was going to th- ask you to say the word phenomenon again. Phenomenon? Since, uh, phenomenon, yeah, phenomenon. Phenomenon, yeah. yeah. Or uh, yes. Darth was having trouble with one today. What was it? it? Post-apocalyptic. Ooh. <laughs> See? Even with half a skin of wine, I can still say poke poke oh, Never mind. <laughs> and, bef- and before Supercalifragic, actually, I'll... 
And he's not even drinking, folks. He's the sober cat. Right, before we drive everybody away, let's uh, read what it says uh, on the Digital Spy, uh, Cult Spy part. The Hooniverse has featured many weird and wonderful characters over the decades, and yet the only constant is the Doctor himself. Sarah Jane Smith, K-9 and Captain Jack have all been granted their own adventures outside Doctor Who. But what about the other candidates worthy of a resurrection? Here are a few of those that would like to tickle the fancy of the BBC commissioner in an ideal and very warped world. Plus one that actually has been given the green light not so long ago. And I think you'd like to do the first one here. Yes. Introducing Shock Eyes, come dine with me. All those culinary shows littering the schedules reach their logical conclusion. When the flesh-loving Andrigam from The Two Doctors is given his own weekly show. Based in his kitchen, the series revolves around the premise that some diners end up on the menu themselves by perpetrating formal dining, formal dining table etiquette. Harsh indeed, but less grisly than Michael Winner's Dining Stars. The victor is the one who ends up spreading bushy ginger eyebrows and is chosen to assist Shockeye in his restaurant. I'd pay good money to see Shockeye doing that. And can you give him his full name? I don't think I can. Shockeye of the Consign Greg. Excellent. Well, um, you know, the, the reason why this would succeed is because, you know, there's more than one way to cook a cat. Some mammals are very flavoursome when baked. Excuse me, they don't call me the Sixth Doctor for nothing. <laughs> I know I know my Colin Becker quotes. Yeah, and of course, this uh, he featured in the Two Doctors story. Now, I absolutely love this character, but I don't know whether it was also just the interplay between himself and the Second Doctor. Mm. Uh, Shockeye, of course, played by John Stratton. And it, it's hard to believe how long ago this episode aired. It must be uh, from season 22. Um, hello? And now we're up to season Fnarg, Fnarg, Fnarg. Wow, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, it's absolutely uh, a gift of a character to play. I mean, uh, I mean, when he's, um, well, I don't say it, dare I? Dare I say it? Uh, Our friend uh, Nicola Bryant on the table. Oh, I mean, yes. Uh, I mean, he made her. He did make her sound electable. Yeah, I mean, Perry was at her finest. Yes. And uh, would you like some water, Perrier? I don't know. I would have a sip of a drink. Uh, Mike, take over. Mike, Mike, quick. Save us from our lustful desires of, of, of Perry on the table. Oh, Andrewgum, I've only seen the, the two the two doctors once, but Andrewgum was... How dare you? I was watching it during... Well, actually, now that I think of it, I've seen it twice. So I watched it last year during the nap year marathon that the oh. Gallifrey base was doing, but Andrewgum was... A, he was a hilarious character. And just... just I can't remember. Was there actually any interplay between him and the the second Doctor in that episode? Oh, I can't yes, remember. because okay. um, they they try to rather than since since they can't extract the symbiotic nuclei yeah. from the second Doctor, what yeah, they do yeah, is they decide to turn him into um, a, a consort. And yeah, I remember so, he was turning into them, but I don't didn't remember if there were any specific scenes between well, those two they, characters. They actually, the, the the two of them went out um, to a restaurant on a, on a culinary oh, spree, yeah, yeah. and they went to the restaurant. And <laughs> the restaurant was a great scene. Right, the, the, uh, didn't didn't the second doctor actually originally kill somebody? 
or somebody got killed. I know Oscar Brotherby got killed in the restaurant, but I think they ended up excising that, didn't they? Uh, he, he didn't he get die, uh, die in the field because he's sort of staggering about, isn't he? No, I thought. No, I thought. Well, Chokai got got killed in the field, I think. But uh, I think uh, Oscar Botchaby, the, ah. the restaurant owner, I think he actually got killed by. I think it was Shokai or the or the dog. Somebody somebody off them. But I believe that that got cut. It might have just got cut from the New Zealand showing. But again, this would be. I mean, it would be. A, I mean, if they'd made this episode today, I could actually see them doing a. Um, whether it would be a something for comic relief or something for um what's the other fundraiser um children in need i could see yeah. them doing a spoof on the the cooking shows where it's you know shock eyes come dine with me uh and and, and those who don't uh farewell or uh don't give them a good rating as far as i don't know if you've ever seen uh um Oh, what's the, what's the show on the Food Network with the, the the chefs who battle? Iron Chef. Iron Chef. I can see them doing like a <laughs> an Iron Chef, and and whenever he gets a bad review on one of his dishes, the next dish is the last the last uh, judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one thing I actually liked. I mean, I do like this character, but as you said, the restaurant owner manager Oscar mm-hmm. Botchaby, he could almost do with a show of his own as well. I mean, yeah. it was very Monty Python that sketch yeah. in the restaurant. If you think of the fat man from Monty Python, yeah, Os- o- Oscar's kitchen makeover. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we put some butterflies on the wall. <laughs> actually, the funny thing is, is, is throughout that episode and and. Sorry if I offend anybody, but I always got the impression that that uh, that Oscar Botchaby was gay. But you know, that's just me. <laughs> Maybe slightly. Yes, but I mean, he had this love of 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 of, of butterflies. Hello, <laughs> not a little bit gay. <sighs> but anyway, I think we've we've uh, hash browned this out enough. <laughs> yep. Okay. That's okay, fine with me. moving right along. The next one it will be read by Mike. All right. The Silver Cloak Brigade. Brigade blah. The Silver Cloak Brigade. Introduced in the recent End of Time special, the Silver Cloak was a bunch of mischievous uh, pensioners assembled by Wilf in order to find the Doctor. The Time Lord might have fought off Rassilon, but he had no answer for the pincers of for the pincers of many the menace. In an age where so much telly is geared towards younger demographics, a spin-off series for this group and their ongoing investigations into paranormal activities would be most welcome. Just imagine the pitch. Waiting for God meets Torchwood. I love it. I love it. I want to see it. Yep. Call Michael Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, she's very famous for being in uh, different uh, uh, comedy classics from the from the past. Oh. Uh, I I did love the comment from from David Tennant, you know, all those years ago watching Terry and June and never imagining for a moment that one day June Whitfield would be pinching my bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love her. I mean, she she's one of those women who sit sit who hit a certain age and then just stopped aging altogether. I mean, yeah. she's still fabulous looking, and and. Funny, I mean, she's. I I, I would say that uh, the American comparison would be Betty White. Yeah, and it's amazing, you know, up to about 
three, four years ago. Uh, she was only on the TV in the UK uh, advertising what's called Stena stair lifts. And these are where people are living in houses, can't get up the stairs, right. and put these little uh, movable chairs up the wall so they don't have to move into uh, you know a, a single-story dwelling. Right. Uh, and she was sort of seen as her main career was own, uh, over almost, and she was just trading off that. And, of course, she was in the Carry On films as well, don't forget. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's been in, what, the Carry On films? She's been in Terry and June. She was in uh, Terry and Julian, um, where uh, it was her and uh, Julian Clary. Uh, she was, of course, uh, attracted a lot of attention as the mother uh, in uh, Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, I've forgotten yeah. that, yes. Right. But, I mean, this, the, I mean, I can actually almost see them doing a, a bringing back the Silver Cloak Brigade. They were they were great. I loved them. Oh, and another some... reason that I'd uh, that I'd like to see them do this is mm-hmm. Wilf continuing as a character. Oh yes, Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's two shows in the UK that went on for years and years and years. They started with old actors. You you might have thought none of them had lived five years. Uh, one was called Dad's Army that went on for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Last of the Summer Wine. I love been running for about, Which has been running about 30 years. And it's they were still all going, isn't ancient, it? <laughs> Yes, and they were all ancient when they started. And there's been some cast changes, of course. Oh, well, um, although I do wonder whether Last of the Summer Wine will survive without um, Peter Sellers. Because mm. yes. he's the linchpin character. And if, if he goes, I just don't know, because he's that... Grounding influence throughout the whole show. God, we're drifting, aren't we? <laughs> Who cares? It's a, it's a studio show. We do as we please here. <laughs> we drink to excess and we talk Ooh, drink, about... drink, thank you. Yes, we drink, we, we drink to excess and we talk about whatever we please. But yeah, I, I always wonder what would happen if, if Peter Sellers would, uh, you know... And I hope he never does because he's, he's, he's lovely. And for those less educated than ourselves, of course, he's the voice of... of Wallace in Wallace and Wallace. Gromit. Yes. Um, but uh, the, the, both, other, the, both of the, orig- other, the other gentlemen have, have, have since passed on, correct? That's right, yes. The, um, but the, the son of um, the one... And I've, gosh, I've, I should have the page up. But the, the, the son of one of the original uh, cast members mm. is in it. Ah. And of course, they have the chap who used to be Blakey on the buses. Yes, I noticed him. I was watching it on BBC America. I'm like, oh, it's the it's Blakey from on the buses. We used to get that in New Zealand. And one of your other favourites, of course, Captain Peacock was on the show for many years. Yeah, I saw that, and pretty, playing pretty much the same part. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, oh, I noticed Ina Sharples was in there as well. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, not Ina Sharples. Um, no, not Ina Sharp. No. Oh, um, ooh, what's her name? Um, the one who runs the shop, the antique shop. Th- uh, Thora, no, not Thora. No, do- oh. It used to be her and her man on, on, on Coronation Street. Not Ina Sharples. Um, oh, the right, dead Move crouch. along and I'll yeah, look it along. up. Yes, yes. We're, we're drifting. <laughs> <laughs> Plus the dog wants in. I guess she doesn't. She just wants me to play with her ball. Uh, anyway, moving right along. 
the joy of pecs. The underrated night. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. The underrated 1987 story, Paradise Towers, concluded with the apparent death of cowardly Cutlet turned hero Pex in an explosion. But his remains were not to be seen. Only some Pex lives graffiti. This spin-off show would follow the Red Kang tribe in its quest to scour every nook and cranny of the great architect's building to find their new demigod Pex. A few scattered cannibalistic resis. The cleaners are still lurking in the corridors. Build high for happiness and steer clear of the waste disposable units. No. <laughs> Peck sucked, and so did Paradise Towers. Apart from those two resis, they were fabulous. Yeah. Uh, Gene Alexander was the person we're trying to remember. Hilda Ogden. Hilda Ogden. That's what I was... Yes. Yes. And oh, she's lovely. She is lovely. Yes, sorry. Anyway, well, back uh, to Pex. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I was thinking, I watched, uh, I'll listen to, should I say, the latest Doctor Who Podshock. That's episode 187, I think, the, the live studio recording from Galley 21. And one of the surprise guests they had on was uh, uh, Hayden Smith. Uh, is it uh, Andrew Hayden Smith? Andrew Hayden Smith, looking He's at the picture of, of Joy of Peck. Yeah, looking at the picture of Joy of Peck, and looking at the picture that Lewis had on the, uh, you know, the if you get the one from iTunes where mm-hmm. you get the pictures and that, I could see him reprising that role. Right. But again, in a way, I mean, if they revamped the whole storyline, it might work. I mean, it was. It was an interesting story. I just don't think it's a good story, mainly because Mel's in it, and she just screams an awful lot. And it was the worst use of Richard Breyer's in a TV show ever. <laughs> and, oh, and, as, and as somebody brought up on the... Uh, it was playing uh, Blakey! Uh, the, the, the worst... Uh, the thing that they, they brought up on the Happiness Patrol, uh, I think last episode, uh, or the episode before the one that comes out this week that I'm on, plug uh (laughs) yes i'm i'm beginning to be like dave now i'm getting invited to podcasts my status is increasing you see um they they did the talk about uh paradise towers and and how naff it was and uh how you uh if you look at the cleaners the the robots that would roam the halls they didn't have any cleaning equipment on them they had like vicious attack equipment, like you know, drills and and <laughs> axes and stuff. It's like uh, they're cleaners, not maintenance. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, Pex was all right. Uh, just you know, I mean, none none of this list is meant to be taken completely seriously. Um, and this is perhaps the weakest of the lot in oh, this yes. list. Yeah, I would I would agree there. <laughs> Looking over what we've gone over and what we've yet to go over. Yeah. Weakest. Yes. And so the next one goes to you, Dave, because we'll move on. Okay. Uh, and this is a... Uh, ooh, where we are? We've, he's Collector's moved guide. him. We've moved him. Who? What? What? Collector's we've... Guide. Collector's yep. Guide to the Critter Crunch. Yeah, there we are. Uh, the villainous overlord from the 1977 tale, The Sun dishes out financial advice to the recession-hit population of Great Britain. The diminutive wheelchair-bound wheelchair bound. collector 
would certainly pull no punches, especially to the working classes. Pay your taxes, I'll find yourself in the correction centre, would be his general message, delivered repeatedly by his squeaky voice. Let's face it, if the public can tolerate a Piers Morgan chat show, they can stomach this. And I'm afraid we've got our uh, UK budget coming up next month, and uh, that might not be pretty either. Yeah, I mean, you know, the further back in Doctor Who history you get, the less likely it is. But, uh, yeah, again, this was one of those episodes that still kind of rings true. Um, the whole point was of, to satirize the, 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 the taxing situation. Right. And that's why I think this would this would work in theory, because just you're, you're satirizing real life things and. There are t- lots of shows that succeed in satirizing. South Park is a prime example. It's all about satir- satirizing politics, world news, and this would 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 work too. It's it's you know. I mean, it's the same reason that that if you watch The Green Death, that it still really applies today. It's yeah. still the same message, and it still rings true. And I actually I think this would work even more. An episode like The Sunmakers would have, I think, more appeal now than it did then because there are so many more people who are more aware of things like taxation and and what the governments are actually up to. I think back then, in 1977, there was was a few people who were aware. The rest were aware that they were at least making fun of it but didn't know to what extent. And then the rest of us were just like, ooh, he's a short guy in a chair. Yeah, I that think that me. could work in. I think that could work in a sort of um, a red dwarf way, you know, um, where I think they could do it like that, a, a sort of science fiction satire. Right. Um, but um, I mean, with all of these, not many of them, I don't think, can actually be related to Doctor Who in terms of there would be a spin-off, but then they would have to be distanced from Doctor Who. Maybe, maybe. Um, Anything with Wilfred Mottin or Shockeye might be okay, but with the others, I think they'd have to be almost comedy spin-offs or satire spin-offs. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, have we milked this one enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's not a lot going on that one. I no, don't think. no, not really. As, no. as we said, this isn't going to be an awfully long show. It's just a a little look at the uh, the ideas that they brought up. So. Uh, We'll push on. Linda. The prequel to the Doctor Light 2006 episode Love and Monsters. This miniseries would track the journey of Elton Pope and the formation of his London investigative and detection agency. Take over, please, Dave. (laughs) Sorry, my my dog's making noise. Okay, uh, we've seen Elton, Ursula, Colin, Bridget and Bliss before Victor Kennedy entered their lives and understand that just why they were compelled to devote themselves to the Doctor. Just be glad it's a prequel, as any sequel might well involve sex scenes between a human and a paving slab. And that's <laughs> the real reason why he wanted me to read it out. He wanted <laughs> to be embarrassed by that bit. I thought that was, I mean, I, this is not my favourite one, so uh, Doctor Who, and I hated the paving slab. I think it would have worked if they'd shown Elton looking at it uh, and he imagining that something was there and then pan the camera to it and it'd be something he'd chalked on in like a child's picture. I could have lived with that, but... um, Dave, if it was... 
If that if you looked at that paving slab and it was Wendy Padbury's bum. <laughs> and recording. And recording. <laughs> no, but I mean the whole the whole Linda thing. I mean, it's been referenced more than once now. I mean, it was referenced by Stephen Moffat in, in Time Crash. And so I could almost see, he's like, you're not one of them Linda lot. And so you could almost say that there's more there to be told. Yeah. So it is a possibility that, that uh, and it is a shame that they ended it, uh, the the whole group. Introduced them, them and did away with them in the same episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because... Again, it could have been something that could have been brought up as a as a spin-off. Again, I don't I don't necessarily agree that they should bring up all these spin-offs of Doctor Who because you know the more spin-offs you bring out, the more it weakens the original product. But yeah. Linda was kind of cool. I did I did like it because well mainly because it was um, I think a a nice little uh, thank you to fandom. Right. But what I think they could do, actually, uh, they've missed a trick here, I think. They should have really said uh, Elton. Elton would have made the better spin-off. Oh, yeah. Um, In in almost like not a Mr. Bean character, because Mr. Bean's mostly silent. But, you know, the sort of the lonely man in his flat uh, with his sort of various fantasies. uh, (laughs) Finding the... No, finding the... No, find where are you going? No, I'm I'm opening this flight with his various fantasies. Ultimate yeah, we could call ultimate adventures in paving. No. I mean one week, you know, he's chasing after Doctor Who. Next week he's looking you know, he's looking out for you know looking out for Batman or, or whatever it happens to be. Here, Ultimate we delay this slab. I've got one thing to say to you, the sixth doctor. Yes. A little too far, cross the line. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Ben. Holton is. I was being completely. So, uh, and one more thing to you. Your transmission has been terminated. <laughs> Dave's angry. <laughs> well, like uh, he's I angry. Think, exactly. No, I was thinking basically. You know, uh, as a. a a lonely person having non-sexual but interesting fantasies <laughs> as a person who's you know got no friends. I mean, we had a great we had a great thing when we went to um, the the Doctor Who um, uh, Hooverville uh, meetup, and we're all on the stage there, and people were asking you know why we'd started a various podcast, and. Uh, Sorry, James. James from the uh, Gallifreyan Embassy uh, looked over at uh, Michael, the tin dog, and said, well, Michael hadn't got any friends, so he started a podcast. (laughs) But what he'd actually meant to say is that Michael had moved home. He'd moved to a new area. And at that particular point, you know, he hadn't got any Doctor Who friends living locally. And so his only way to get back into the Doctor Who thing was to start it. But it came across on the stage as, uh, oh, yeah, he started a, he started a podcast because he hadn't got any friends, you know, <laughs> which I'm rapidly losing at the moment. Yes, there you go. <sighs> but do you not think, serious voice, uh, do you think Elton would have be, rather than the group Linda, Elton was a more interesting character? I loved Elton. I loved the yeah, whole episode. I mean, I thought it was a tremendous episode. I like the, the idea of Elton as a character, just how his whole life has, he's sort of been involved with all of these alien encounters and so on and so forth and had brush-ins, run-ins with the Doctor and all, of, it's, it sort of runs parallel to the to the main Doctor Who story. I like that idea and right. bringing Elton back as a character 
it's sort of sort of like looking on the outside of the Doctor Who story. That would be cool. And Elton was a cool character by himself. Right. And maybe maybe in the future they'll uh, maybe Stephen will bring the Doctor back there and and free Ursula from the paving slab. You've got an unhealthy obsession with that. <laughs> well, there. Anyway, that's for a an, an after dark show. <laughs> this is late night, but it's not that late night. <laughs> All right. Let's I mean, this, this, I'll just say one thing. The Love of Monsters, I know you like it, but to me, that was the thing that made me absolutely uh, not like Dr. Light episodes. Having said really? that, Blink turned me around completely. I loved Blink. I, I guess and, the, and there you are. Why, why, why is Sally Sparrow not on this list? Sorry, Sparrow spinning off. Now Sally, they, Sally Sparrow investigates. I, I was going to say now you're talking, but I couldn't say it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the thing the thing that I loved about this is because the first time I saw it, I knew exactly what it was. It was a salute to fandom. Because looking at it, I saw the group of people who were gathered together to watch Doctor Who episodes in somebody's flat, uh, somebody's a, a community center uh, rented room. And, and that's what it was. And it was uh, just a kind of uh, a hello to all the fan groups out there that, that had followed the doctor and his adventures. And that's what just endeared it to me right then and there. Plus, there was talk of um, of uh, <laughs> of, of uh, Rose's mum's knickers. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Camille. Like Cammy. Oh, Camille. <laughs> Um, I so, you say you're a fan of Cammy Knickers, then I thought you were going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's going a step too far on this hour. Um, but yes, um, I, I mean that 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 uh, I mean that was I thought awesome. Anyway, let's move on. The Chronicles. Now that my dog has settled down and is not banging on the door with her uh, her treat ball, the Chronicles of Jago and Lightfoot. Theatre owner Henry Gordon Jago and Professor Lightfoot were the endearing double act who assisted the Doctor and Leela in 19th century London London, <laughs> in the talents of Wing Chiang. The clash of art and science between these two amateur sleuths would perpetuate... Uh, would punch... Good, Bennett. <laughs> well, I the, the, when we're drinking. I'm on, I'm on my last glass. I'm on my last glass. The clash of art and science between these two amateur sleuths would punctuate their encounters with all kinds of dark arts in Victorian times, particularly the leftover experiments from Magnus Greel lurking in the sewers. Commendably, Big Finish Productions has resurrected the daring duo for a range of audio adventures. And that's what I was about to say, because I had seen the title of this earlier. And Big Finish are about to embark on that. Actually, this year we should see uh, a uh, some downloads and, and box sets available for uh, uh, Jago and Lightfoot audio series. Absolutely brilliant. That. And of course, the other one is um, The Adventures of Roland Rat. I don't know whether the big rat will come <laughs> The other interesting thing is uh, Lisa Barrowman uh, joins them as Ali. Um, so they've added oh. another character into that. Uh, and Lisa Barrowman, for people who may not know, she plays Bernice Summerfield right. on the Audio Adventures. Right. Um, so let me just read you this bit from the uh, Doctor Who 
uh, TARDIS index file, the basically the Doctor Who wiki. Jago and Lightfoot is a forthcoming audio adventure series from Bank Finish. The stories will involve uh, the two friends solving mysteries involving paranormal or alien phenomenon in 1980s London. Christopher Benjamin, Trevor Baxter, and Conrad Asquith reprise the roles as Henry Gordon Jago, Professor Gordon Lightfoot, and PC Quick from the TV story Talents of Wang Chiang. And Lisa Barrowman joins them as Ellie. Thus far, four stories have been announced to be released as a boxed CD set and as MP3 downloads in June of 2010. Uh, the three, the four episodes are The Bloodlines, uh, the, the Bloodless Soldier, sorry, uh, written by Justin Richards, uh, The uh, Belova Devil by Alan uh, Barnes, The Spirit Trap by uh, Jonathan Morris, and The Sing... Good... Uh, the similarity, they have, I swear they know ahead of time that we're drinking. Announcing <laughs> these. The similarity engine by Andy Lane. So look out for those. Uh, and there was an interesting uh, slip you made while reading that. You, you said, instead of George Lightfoot, you said Gordon Lightfoot. Just pointing that out. What? What did I say? You said Gordon Lightfoot. It, it says on there, Henry Gordon Lightfoot. Henry Gordon Jago. Sorry. Yes, I said. Ah! Yes. <laughs> Never mind. Moving on. Moving on. Nothing yes, to say here. And, and for those who. Uh, Drunk and host in the corner. Uh, those people who can get the uh, Virgin Missing Adventures book, there's a spin off novel, uh, The Shadow of Wai Chiang. Uh, and again, features. Uh, I think they're featured in it again with Mr. Sin. So. And- I think Professor Lightfoot was also in the Eighth Doctor Adventure of the Body Snatchers. I think. Mm. Right. Yeah, he was. Right. Yeah. But I would like to see these those characters back as a as in their own series, just as sort of a period drama, and right. as sort of a historical. Even though it's you know, science fiction, probably it would be neat to see sort of a period sci-fi uh, drama series. That would be cool. And, of course, the chap who played uh, Henry Gordon Jago was in the series with uh, David Tennant. Was it the Unicorn and the Wasp? Yes, the Unicorn and the Wasp. He, uh, yeah. yeah, he was in that. And that was, that was uh, fabulous to see him again on the screen. Again, it's one of those... You could almost revisit those characters with Doctor Who. And you could do, you know, uh, 40 years on. You know. Well, what would have been marvellous, you know, when we had the um, Aliens of Manhattan story mm-hmm. uh, and that's set in the theater would it be nice if it had been the same actors playing like the cousins or whatever yeah. of the of the original team and they'd open they'd gone to america and opened a theater in america in 1930s because that would have been uh, from 19th century to 1930 it could have been their descendants right true well, since they're already planning a spin-off for these guys, I think we'll move on to the last of the list. Uh, and this is the one that uh, was alluded to in the beginning that almost became a spin-off. Rose Tyler, Earth Defense. Just what became of the Chavat trapped in a parallel universe after the end of Doomsday? Well, we all know she ended up running the world's version of that world's version of Torchwood. Edeloping uh, with the being who was part Doctor, part Donna, 
It's disturbing. Uh, but if Russell D. Davies had followed the original plans, Rose would have returned in a 90-minute special in 2007 that would have centered around her attempts to keep the Earth free from any malevolent bug-eyed monsters. It was officially commissioned, but dropped when RTD... RTD I'm whistling. RTD decided, <laughs> decided it was a spin-off too far. Earth Tyler, Rose Defense, discuss... Adamantly no. <laughs> Gold. Uh, <Earth> <laughs> I'm too drunk by half. <laughs> Rose Tyler, Earth Defense. Disgust. While I go sober up. <laughs> Way well, to go, Russell T. I mean, Davies, for saying that it was one spinoff too far. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> yeah, and and the problem is with these spinoffs is that you know. It's a little bit like uh, London buses. You don't see any, and then suddenly three come along. And I think uh, I remember Ken Deep from uh, again from the Gallifrey Embassy. He was very worried that the the franchise would be diluted with all these different ones. Of course, a lot of the previous ones we've just mentioned, I don't think they would actually belong within the Doctor Who universe. They would be distanced from it, maybe a, you know a humorous satire. But of course, we're doing all this tongue in cheek. But this one, of course would probably have to be within the realms of a, a Doctor Who spin-off, such as, um, uh, you know, the Sarah Jane Adventures. And I think, really, this is something that, God forbid, if, if the Sarah Jane Adventures, that I think we've recently found out, has been recommissioned for two more series. Yes, is that right? right? Yes, two so more seasons. I, th- I think that this is dead in the water while the Sarah Jane Adventures go. Right. But possibly... Once that comes to any natural conclusion, hopefully we'll get maybe uh, five or six. It's certainly uh, showing no signs of uh, diminishing. It no. hopefully is getting a bigger budget. Um, uh, the um, the the show there are only twelve, mind you. Actually, when you think our early show today, folks, the show we did about um, uh, surviving uh, being human, one of the big criticisms. Uh, although it was actually tightly scripted, was that um, a couple of those shows, Survivors and Being Human, could have been doing stretched beyond their six and eight episodes. Uh, at least you could argue with uh, Sarah Jane Adventures getting the 12, six stories, 12 episodes, right. is giving fairly good. But if that continues now for a couple of years, I don't think there's any, any room for a Rhodes-style Earth events. And wow. of course, one last thing to I'll add to that was... Um, the very strange little um, ending that they had to the end of time where we see uh, Martha and Mickey uh, on a little um, pet project, don't they? They're, right. they're hunting down a Sontaran and um, they seem to be um, taking that role over. I don't, I don't know right. what people feel about that. I, I don't think there's anything that's going to come of it. Just in the same way that you say that... Uh, uh, that you see Russell Tovey joining Torchwood. I don't see that happening. I think it was just a, a nice little way for uh, Russell to end everything out. And he always wanted to put a whole bunch of aliens in a room. And the original plan was, of course, for it to be the Shadow Proclamation. And for everybody to be standing around and being all these aliens that we'd seen, plus some that we hadn't. Um... And so I see that scene as just him putting Jack in the position to heal. But I, 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 I'm also hopeful that they don't bring Russell Tovey into Torchwood. Because 
it would just be a clone of uh, of Yanto. So, but uh, I'm glad Rose Tyler Earth Defense didn't go through because I think it would have been canned after the first season and would have damaged the the whole. Um, the whole Doctor Who universe, as it were. Plus, Rose has been pretty much well played out as a character. I think we can all can all agree there. Right. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, and, and the thing is, now this is truly and utterly dead in the water because uh, the tenth Doctor is gone, mm-hmm. and so the impetus of having in it, Rose pop up again. I mean, I don't expect to see her until they do a multi-doctor special. You know, we should right. never, ever, ever see Rose Tyler again. Uh, I've got no problem with Billy Piper. She's got a nice bum. Um, uh, but again, we don't need to see her again. I mean, I do like the fact that we've got more characterization and more emotion involved in Doctor Who, but at some point, You've just got to leave the companion behind and move on. Uh, we're lucky to have Sarah Jane back now, but how many years has it taken? Well, uh, again, listening to um, the the Gallifrey and Embassy, the uh, sorry, the Doctor Who Podshop from Galley. I mean, if if I was going to have any sort of spin-off like this, I think I'd rather have the Doctor's daughter. Of course, you would. Or Sally In Sparrow. In an adventure. Or Sally Sparrow. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the great things about uh, Doctor Who, it's, it, it, it's brought on board lots of great actors, uh, like the chap who played um, Elton, uh, who went on, uh, did um, quite a few shows in the UK, and, and he's probably beyond the budget now. I mean, uh, Russell Toovey's probably slightly beyond the budget now. We get things like Derek Jacobi, who we unfortunately didn't, see half enough of when he was mm. playing uh, uh, Professor Yar. Oh, yeah. I mean... I abs- Sorry. <laughs> the Professor was an invention. So perfect a disguise that I forgot who I am. Then who are you? Yeah. There you go. Ha-ha. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Professor Yana's Adventures in Time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh, so, uh, I know we're a little bit of pressure of time, and it was a, a little fun episode, hopefully, yes. for listeners. Um, any, any ones you'd like to see that, I mean, I've named one or two, that could have been added to the list? Yeah. No, that's that pretty much covers any any spin-offs. I mean, I know you had said earlier that, uh, or maybe on the original recording of this, where the heck is uh, the Adventures of Sally Sparrow? Um, mm. I know you'd like to see that, but there's a reason for that. But you know, we won't get into. Well, that. even yeah, uh, uh, Sally Sparrow's friend, the the one that went back into the 1930s. Right? Yeah. Um. Actually, there is another there is another list on on Cult Spy which we may tackle in a upcoming oh, no. studio show. Oh no, he's threatening this guy. <laughs> yeah, ten Doctor Who characters we want back. So oh. stay tuned for that. That may be an interesting one. 
So stay tuned, folks. But yeah, um, it, I mean, I'd have to agree with with uh, Russell on a spinoff too far. I think we're we're good where we're at. Where where we are at. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed this show, folks. I yeah. hope you are. We've got we've got Sarah Jane and we've got Torchwood, and it's plenty. Um, Any more, and you start diluting the original story and like I think originally when they were doing Doctor Who they had sort of coming out with the son of Doctor Who uh, and spinning that off and, oh, and Terry and, Nations was wanting to bring the Daleks to the US in their very own series yeah uh, yeah okay the Pepperpots just say seek locate exterminate <laughs> yeah you they really have a spin off yeah <laughs> right um but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, those are again. This is a for fun list, and that's the reason why we kind of picked it for tonight's uh, topic. Is it's just a bit of fun. Uh, but again, you know, you could have too many spinoffs. I mean, we could the the unofficial canine series, of course, yeah. Uh, which I'm glad to see because canine's lovely, and Liam loves canine, and so I'm glad to see it launched as a as a kids TV show. Because he is, he's a cute little dog, cute little robot dog, and and that's, yeah, I, I like him, and, and Sarah Jane, now that they've brought him out from maintaining that black hole, uh, the interplay between him and uh, Mr. Smith is, is lovely. But, you know, in, 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 in the universe of Doctor Who that we have, I think we, we've reached the, the limit of, of spin-offs. Well, I think the other one that was m- mooted was the, um, you know, the jewel thief one from uh, Planet of the Dead. Um, the uh, the the girl, the jewel thief. And I oh, can't yes. remember it. But we're done with flying buses. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. I mean, she could get swept off to Gallifrey in the past and become um, Iris Wildtime. <laughs> but no. <laughs> She's gone. She flew off in a bus, never to return. Right, well, for Mike's sake, I think we ought to perhaps uh, wrap yes. up and... Uh, Mike has other shows to attend. You know, other, we're going to other... let him out of the cage. Yes. <laughs> the he's, in cage. Rus- he's in Russell Toovey's uh, werewolf cage. Yes. Ooh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap this up since uh, Dave has run out of wine and I'm close approaching that. Uh, so, nothing more to say than uh, it's good night for Mike. Good night, everyone. It's good night for me. And it's good night from him. Good night, everybody. Cheers. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW group void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus